0: This is episode 46 of The Wrap. It's a weekly show where I try to bring you up to speed on the fun movie news and things that happened in the past week and enlighten you. Today is Friday, September 6th, 2013, and I'm your host, TJ. Well, last weekend we saw the box office headed in One Direction, and yes, by that I mean that One Direction was the number one film in the box office, the documentary on One Direction called One Direction, This Is Us, number one film at the box office, which is just a sad state of affairs if you ask me. Uh, it brought in uh, t- 17 million over the weekend, and that was its domestic total uh, on a budget of 10 million. So, already domestically, we're up over it budget, and then 14 million uh, foreign dollars makes it a 31.5 million worldwide weekend opening t- uh, number. I'm not very into the teen heartthrob pop boy band thing, and so I'm just totally not interested in this at all. Uh, but apparently, people thought it was the best thing in the, uh, in the, in the box office to see. Um, okay, so this is, I'm going to read a quick excerpt from, uh, Christy Lemire, uh, writing on rogerebert.com. Uh, with One Direction, this is us, Spurlock becomes a cog in the machinery. In chronicling the juggernaut of the British boy band during their recent world tour, he presents a piece of propaganda as glossy and managed as, their, as similar directions of the Jonas Brothers and Justin Bieber. Young female fans of the Fab Five probably won't care, and the parents who are forced to accompany them to the theater probably won't mind. The lads are lively and likable, their songs non-offensive and interchangeably poppy. This Is Us does what is need- what it needs to do for the target audience, but anyone looking for actual substance or insight will be disappointed and maybe even a little bored by its repetitive nature. This is about what I would expect, but it's already three times over its production budget, and uh, so that's just sad. Number two at the box office was Lee Daniels the Butler uh, it brought in 14.7 million over the weekend it's now up to uh, 74 million on the total gross weekend number three uh number three at the box office were the Millers uh, uh brought in 12.6 million over the weekend uh, 109.5 million domestic is the current total domestically 39.5 million current total foreign up to 149 million worldwide on a budget of 37 million weekend number four what is your problem, people? Why are you seeing this film? It looks terrible. Stop it. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Just stop it. Number four, Planes, on a budget of $50 million, $7.7 uh, $7. $7 over the weekend, brings it up to $70.8 domestically, $31.2 foreign, for a total of $102 million worldwide. I imagine Disney was hoping for more than that. I'm not surprised at all, and I don't think the film looks that great. Number five, instructions not included. I literally have no idea anything about this film. I haven't heard of it before. Uh, don't know what it is. Don't know anything about it. It brought in 7.5 million over the weekend, and its budget is not available. And that's weekend number one for instructions not included. I'm hearing rumblings that it's expanding its theater reach because of, of the fact that it hit number five at the box office. Not surprising, I suppose. Number six is Elysium. Uh, brought in 6.3 million over the weekend. As you can see, we're already getting down in pretty anemic numbers. So the box office isn't bringing a lot of money. Uh, over the weekend, but, uh, 6.3 million over the weekend, uh, sitting now at 176.1 million worldwide on a budget of 115 million. You got to think they were hoping for more. And I didn't like the film. Number seven, the mortal instrument city of bones. Uh, and it is now up to 31.7 million worldwide. And, uh, yeah, on a budget of 60 million, that's not good. They're halfway to their budget. And this is weekend. Number two, we're headed into weekend number three this weekend. Number eight, The World's End, now up to $32.5 million worldwide on a $20 million budget. So, uh, yeah, I suppose that one's probably going to do okay. Weekend number two, heading into weekend number three this weekend, still out in theaters, and uh, I've been told I should see it. I don't know. feels kind of weird, but maybe I'll probably see it sometime soon. In news this week, Pixar removes Bob Peterson from The Good Dinosaur, according to Rebecca Keegan over at LA Times. Pixar Animation has removed the director of its 2014 film The Good Dinosaur and not named a replacement, marking the fourth time in eight movies that the Emeryville studio has made a director change midstream. In my opinion, this has not bode well, although I've been assured that some of Pixar's best films have had director changes. I can't remember off the top of my head which ones for sure. It seems like Toy Story 3 came up when I was talking with my friend about this. Uh, but uh, uh, Catmull said, um, who's, who's uh, CEO over there, I believe, all directors get really deep in their films, Catmull said this week. Sometimes you just need a different perspective to get get the idea out. Sometimes directors are so deeply embedded in their ideas, it actually takes someone else to finish it up. I would go so far as to argue that a lot of live-action films would be, better, would be better off with that same process. And I really I don't agree with that creatively. I don't agree with that perspective on any standpoint. I mean, you, you need to let the director get his vision out there. And the fact that they're removing the director dispels trouble for the production to me. And I've never been interested, really, in The Good Dinosaur. I, I, I don't know uh, what what story there is to tell. But Pixar, on the other hand, usually finds something good to tell. But then on the other hand, yet again, uh, there's been a little concern about Pixar because of two of their recent films, which weren't as great, um, you know. So, but then Monsters University was a bit of a comeback. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We won't say much more. Kevin Spacey had something to say about the pilot model and the TV model and House of Cards. And this is a video that I posted on Movie Bite on Monday. The link will be in the show notes. And you want to check this out. This is something I talk about a lot. I, I took a little bit of time to talk about it on the Movie Bite podcast this past week with Chad on Wednesday. And I recommend that you check out this video. It, it's very much worth watching. Um, and and uh, the, the the key statement here that kind of encapsulates what he's saying is, We have learned the lesson the music industry didn't learn. Give people what they want. You know, I think we're a long way from that being uh, a reality, but that that's exactly what I've been saying for a long time. Why can't we give people what they want and monetize it for the studios so the studios can still make money, so they keep producing more uh, things and more content but if you can give people what they want, why wouldn't you do that? That's your business. If you're a, a producer of TV shows, you're in the business of giving people what they want. And if you can't give people what they want, then people are going to stop coming to get it. Uh, and, and the old TV model, like it or not, studio for the studios, it's going away. We are moving towards a more video-on-demand-centric model, something that I've been advocating for a long time. It's the It fits my lifestyle much better than the idea of... Sitting down at a specific time, you know, my show airs at eight o'clock, and I'll have to catch it. And and yes, I know about uh, TiVo's and stuff, but it's such a hack. Um, the the Netflix model is the way to go moving forward. And so, yeah. And and Kev- Kevin Spacey had a lot of good stuff to say here. Very very happy with that video. Make sure you take the time to watch that. It's in the show notes. We have a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch casting rumors surrounding Star Wars Seven, and all there's three links here. One is the initial rumor. Uh Brendan Connolly over at Bleeding Cool says that uh last week the Hollywood reporter passed on the disappointing news that Benedict Cumberbatch has withdrawn from Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. One line of their story seems particularly relevant right now. No reason for his departure was given, although sources say his exit is not due to another project, but were these sources lying to us according to Film Chronicles, who focus almost exclusively on reviews, interviews, and well-sourced content rather than speculation or rumors, Cumberbatch has been cast in the upcoming Star Wars episode seven. So that's the initial rumor, uh, and then on Wednesday I—I uh, so posted that initial rumor on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, um, uh, Isaac Feldberg on—we got this covered. Reported that uh, Cumberbatch would probably be playing a villain. No surprises there. And then, of course, Cumberbatch's representatives deny all the Star Wars rumors. Deny all the rumors. Uh, Cumberbatch's people told the New York Daily News in no uncertain terms that the Brit star would not appear in episode seven. There is no truth to the rumor Benedict Cumberbatch has been cast as star in Star Wars, said a spokesperson. I think the rumors are circling because JJ and Benedict have recently had a wonderful time working together on Star Trek. I mean, of course they're going to deny all. I don't think this means that Benedict Cumberbatch hasn't been cast in Star Wars. And I think it would be awesome to see Benedict Cumberbatch playing some sort of Sith Lord or villain of some sort in Star Wars. Uh, Forgive me if I've interchanged Star Trek or Star Wars at some point. I've met Star Wars. Um, I think I just did that, but I can't tell for sure. (laughs) My memory doesn't go back that far. In any event... Uh, so could be interesting and that's, that's kind of the rumor and the rumors being denied, big surprise. So, uh, those links will all be in the show notes for you to catch up on. One of the rumors that I, I tend to believe this one a little more, there was a rumor circling that Brian Cranston might play, uh, Lex Luthor in the upcoming Man of Steel 2 or Batman vs. Superman or whatever it's going to be called. And, uh, that's been shot down, um... By Cranston himself, uh, the rumor was that he had signed a six-picture deal to play the bald antagonist, and he said, Six? This is all news to me. I think that maybe my name is bandied about because I'm known to be bald. What bald guy can we get? The reality is they can take any actor and shave his head and put a bald cap on him. Well, I, I tend to believe this a little bit more that he's not actually going to be, because this was never a completely solid rumor. The Benedict Cumberbatch thing feels a little more like where there's smoke, there's fire. But, but we'll see. It's all speculation and rumor. But that's the that's the deal now is the rumor's been shot down by Cranston himself with the uh, Luther thing. Uh, I wrote my review of Closed Circuit on uh, Wednesday and published that. I give it two and a half stars, and I was deeply disappointed with the film. Uh, it felt like an unfinished film. It feels like they shot the first draft of the first half of the script that was uh, given to them, and they never finished the script, and they never polished it, is what it feels like to me. Having watched the film now, I was very disappointed. It it just it didn't resolve anything. It didn't have any closure. It didn't end. It didn't... You know, I mean, it didn't even end in any kind of a satisfying way. I mean, even like if they're planning a a, uh, a follow up, like you still got to you still got to give us a little more than that. And uh, it was not so good. I, and Chad felt very much the same way. Everybody I've talked to who's watched it felt the same way. And Chad and I talked about it on the Movie Bite podcast, episode 59. And uh, that's also in the show notes. Uh, or you can find it at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 59 if you want to hear Chad and I talk about that towards the end of that episode. Uh, not a great film. Not not uh, not super excited about that. It was very disappointed. I wanted to, wanted it to be a better film. I didn't mind the concepts, just wanted it to be a better film. Be sure to check out my review also in the show notes. According to a report uh, by Jermaine Lucier over at slash film, uh, Batman, In, in my, my title of this article is Batman Needs a Love Interest or something. Uh, Jermaine Lucier says, but with a new superhero comes a new female lead. By now, everyone knows Ben Affleck will be playing Batman in the film, and the rep- latest reports suggest the director is looking for a strong female love interest for the Caped Crusader. Latina Review got their hands on a casting breakdown that's circulating at the talent agencies, which they describe as follows. They're looking for someone in their late 20s, and they are open to all ethnicities. They're being very specific. I'm looking for an actress who is both tall and possesses physicality, and the only thing I have to say to that is this cannot end well. Uh, Independence Day 2 might have Will Smith. After all, previously it was reported that the film would not feature Will Smith, but um Director Roland Emmerich has had somewhat of a flop, uh, I don't know if you can call it a complete flop, but it wasn't as well received as as I think everyone, as, certainly as he might have expected with White House Down. Will Smith had a pretty big flop with After Earth, and uh, so maybe that's changing the tide a little bit here. But Digital Spy caught up with filmmaker uh, Roland Emmerich while he was promoting White House Down in England, and he said, It changes every month. I sometimes say, No, Will Smith will not be in it because he didn't want to do it before, but now we have, been, we have a meeting planned where we want to talk about it again. Sounds like Smith, after the critical and financial drubbing he's gotten, he's, he's got on this summer's After Earth, is looking for another surefire hit, and, the sequel, and a sequel to Independence Day would de- definitely deliver in that department. And to which I say, well, I don't want filmmakers and actors making films because they need a hit. Because they need one that's going to succeed, even if, if they're not passionate about it I don't want them to make it. And so this doesn't seem like a good thing to me. I've never been a fan of the original Independence Day film. I'm not a fan of this idea of another Independence Day film. I would be happy to be proved wrong, but as of right now, I'm not interested in this film. And it just, the whole thing sounds not good. And speaking of Roland Emmerich, uh, in my opinion, (laughs) and as I titled this article, he kind of told Stargate fans to drop dead. Uh, Darren over at GateWorld.net says, um, Roland Emmerich, who directed and co-wrote the original 1994 film, is optimistic that that the pitch for a rebooted Stargate movie trilogy will go forward. But in a new interview with Digital Spy, he did not say that the studio has officially given the project a green light, contrary to what online news outlets are suggesting today, we know that Emmerich and co-director Dean Devlin haven't given up their hopes on it of a big-budget movie trilogy, which was their original plan before MGM acquired the rights to Stargate and turned it into a television franchise in 1997. The two have been talking about it for years, and the cancellation of the television franchise and the turnover at MGM only breathed new life into the rumors. The proposed trilogy would have nothing to do with Stargate SG-1 and the television continuity. And that's, uh, that's, just, I, I feel just so left out in the cold as someone, as one of the many who loved Stargate SG-1 and who loved maybe even a little more Stargate Atlantis, but all that, that whole franchise has so much there, so much going for it. And the frustrating thing is neither of those shows were canceled because they were doing poorly, but because sci-fi just gets weird about their shows if they've been on the air for more than a few seasons, and they canceled them even though we all wanted more, even though the ratings were fine. Stargate SG-1 got canceled, Stargate Atlantis got canceled, and then the producers wanted to do something crazy and different and stupid, in my opinion, with Stargate Universe. And so they made Stargate Universe. It was nothing like the Stargate we remembered or loved, and we all hated it, and the ratings plummeted, and the show went off the air because it wasn't doing well, and it did get canceled because of bad ratings, and now Stargate is... "Quote unquote dead because MGM had this whole restructuring and the financial problems and the bankruptcy and now Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, the previous writers and Roland Emmerich, the previous director of the first film that started the whole thing want to come in and reboot the thing as a follow-up to Stargate, the original Stargate movie, pretending that the TV shows never happened and it just angers me because I'm such a fan. As you can tell, I'm not very passionate about this subject, but I I, I really loved Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis, and I want to see more following up. I'm I'm, I'm so sick of the reboots. Can we please stop the reboots now? So on on that unhappy note, let's move on to find out what you might want to see this weekend before I sign off. I hope you are not afraid of the dark because new this weekend is a man who can see in the dark. Riddick rated R. Uh, I can't say that I was super impressed with the first two films, which I have now seen. Uh Pitch Black was pretty painful. Chronicles of Riddick was somewhat better, strange, different uh kind of a film, and, and strangely it was a different genre altogether from the first film. The first film was very much a thriller thriller slash horror film. Uh the Chronicles of Riddick was much more of an action film and much more uh driven by the plot than a than a horror uh thriller might be. Uh, very very strange that they skipped changed genres midstream there. Uh, this new Riddick film feels like it's going to be in the same genre as the previous Chronicles of Riddick instead of Pitch Black. Uh, and I do hope that maybe it could be even a little better because the Chronicles of Riddick, if I were feeling really generous, I would probably give it a 3 out of 5 stars. Whereas Pitch Black, I'd probably give 2 out of 5 stars. I'm hoping for a 3.5 star film with Riddick, maybe. We'll see. It is rated R. Um, and, uh, it says here some sexual content slash nudity does not bode well for my taste and rating here, uh, but it does feature coming back Vin Diesel, Carl Urban, uh, new, of course, Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica and a couple of the names I don't recognize, but I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, maybe it won't be so bad. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, this is a strange possible glitch. Uh, I went ahead and posted it anyway, and then realized after I had get, gotten it all written up that, uh, perhaps it was a glitch on Fandango's part when I saw the re- actual release date. This is the end. And it seems like I might've even, uh, posted about it opening before. I'm wondering either it's a glitch on Fandango's part that it was in the now opening section or, uh, it's going to a, for a wider release and it had opened on a less, less, less wide release or something like that. Anyway, not a, doesn't look good at all. And I think I would recommend that you stay away from this film, whether it's new or not. Still in theaters, uh, this weekend, Lee Daniels, The Butler, We're the Millers, The Mortal Instrument, City of Bones, The World's End, Planes, Elysium, uh, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, and Kick-Ass 2. For more on how I feel about those films and whether or not you might want to catch them in the theaters, uh, not a lot here that I would actually recommend. Actually, it's kind of a dismal weekend for the theaters. But anyway, check out my article linked in the show notes if you want to know more. And that's it. If you would like to view those show notes online, you can find those at moviebyte.com slash therap slash 46. If you want to keep up with me, you may follow me on Twitter. I'm TJ Draper Pro, and I tweet out all kinds of fun stuff all the time. So you want to follow me over there. Uh, definitely would appreciate it too if you'd follow Moviebyte on Twitter. We would like to build up Movie Byte's Twitter presence a little bit more, and you can do that at twitter.com slash moviebyte. You can like Movie Byte on Facebook. We have a large number of people who like, like us over there on Facebook, and we post out stuff all the time there, facebook.com slash moviebyte. And, and of course, obviously, visit the website every day where I keep you up to date every weekday at moviebyte.com. Uh, redesign is in the works. Cannot tell you when that might come out because I just work on it when I have time. Uh, and uh, since I have a new 40 hour a week job, it's it's harder for me to find time to actually do redesigns for the site and stuff. But that will be upcoming soon. And of course, in the meantime, same old content always, you know, all the new stuff, all the cool stuff, all the fun stuff, all the trailers coming every weekday to moviebyte.com. That's all i got this week. I thank you so much for listening. I hope you will take the time to rate this podcast on iTunes. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you've been enjoying the podcast, give us a good rating. I'd appreciate that. I hope you have a great weekend.